Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together, Father, to worship your name, to preach your word. Father, I pray that everything said and done today will be to the upbuilding of your kingdom, and it will go out and will not return void. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. <clears throat> All right, so sometimes they're good jokes, sometimes they ain't good jokes. They're all new jokes, so that's all I can promise you. So this big cattle company was had this big cattle drive, and all the cowboys were getting into town. They'd been on the road and cold and wet and cold and wet. And this little diner in town, and an um, old cowboy was sitting at the diner looking, staring down at a bowl of chili. And the young cowboy came in running in behind him, and he said, Man, I'm starving. Where's the waitress? And he said, She's over there doing something. And he said, Well, you eat that bowl of chili? And he said, no, I don't think so. So the young cowboy, he slid it over to the young cowboy. He started eating a bowl of chili. And he got down about three or four good scoops and found a dead mouse. And he threw it all back up in the bowl and looked at the old cowboy. He said, yep, that's about as far as I got to. <clears throat> yep, that's about as far as I got to. <clears throat> all right, so... Man, we've, we're done with vegetables for a little while. Thank God we're done with vegetables for a little while. It, well, I say that. I, I hope, I mean, you know, everybody has a different opinion. But what we're going to talk about today is peace. Everybody wants peace. Peace is wonderful. And if you don't think peace is wonderful, all you need is a couple of days of good strife in your life to realize how important peace is. And what the Bible says about peace is that we are to pursue it, to hunt it, to seek it, down right i mean it is a it is an important part of of who we are as christians um so we're going to go in some some couple different scriptures early and then we're going to get in a good example of what peace means and 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 i uh, will get through it uh, but just to understand right that the, the peace we're talking about is the peace of God. We, we're talking about the, 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 that peace that passes all understanding, that stuff that's, um, that's so valuable that, that, that you can't buy. I mean, you can't buy peace, right? I mean, you can't buy peace. If you have somebody, if you have something going on in your life and it's stress and it's strife and all the craziness going on, just a few minutes of peace is invaluable, right? You know, when you have a newborn baby, and you're getting home and from the hospital and it's all the craziness that happened for the last, you know, 72, 48 hours. Just all the craziness that is what childbirth is now. And they take that first nap and you get to be in your house for just a second. That piece is invaluable, right? Uh, I told you all this a couple of times, but when Crystal and I left the hospital with the twins, you know, we, we had been in there for a couple of days and, and it was you know, we didn't sleep at all the first night, and then the second day was a blur, and we ended up with these two little scrubs, and they put them in the car, and I cranked the car up in, in St. Francis, and we drove like here to the back door across the parking lot, and I stopped and told Crystal, said, there's nobody watching us. They're going to let us take them home by ourselves. I mean, what are they doing? It's not good for these children. I mean, who's, this is bad. But, you know, it, it's that the joy of the chaos, but the value of the peace. <clears throat> um, so let's go to where the peace starts okay so John the gospel of John <clears throat> and, and, and we're going to say what Jesus said about peace right and, and this is important right because um, so it's John the gospel according to John 
chapter 14, verse 27. Um, actually, let's start with verse 26. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, on whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. So when Jesus is talking about peace, he is talking about it, it, is, it is as a gift. But it... For you to fully enjoy the gift, you have to make the decision to not let your heart be troubled. See, the problem with our peace right now is what we want to think is what we want to think is lack of peace is really our human minds going one of two directions, right? The lack of peace means that you're going one of two directions. You either A, rewinding and talking about the past, the things that you cannot fix or change or b thinking about what's going to happen here again things you can't fix or change so it's either regret or worry or the two biggest problems when we talk about peace because when we talk about peace in a situation no matter what the situation is you can pause for just a second and have peace at daylight at sunset in the middle of the day in the middle of the night you can just stop and be quiet and have peace but unfortunately, what we do is we don't allow ourselves to be peaceful because we want to talk about what all we should have done the last time something happened or what all we have to do tomorrow and the next time that happens. And, and that's how the enemy kind of robs us of peace. It's what happened before us and what happens, what's going to happen to us. And somehow we think we can affect either one of those two things, right? I mean, in the Bible clearly says that, why are you worrying about tomorrow? I mean, Matthew 6, he talks about why are you worrying about tomorrow? Why do you worry about your clothes? Why are you worrying about what you wear? Why are you worrying about what you eat? And look at the birds, look at the flowers. They don't worry. God takes care of them. That's who we are. We should not be worried about what's going to happen. And we should not be worried about what has happened, right? Because if it's happened, it's already done. And we should ask for forgiveness and move on. And what hasn't happened yet, how can we really be concerned over what hasn't happened yet? <clears throat> Crystal hates when I use her for example, so I'm so glad she's not here today and she's teaching the little kids' church. About 10 years ago, or no, it's probably 12 years ago now, we had tremendous financial peril. Every month we were just in crazy financial peril. And I could not figure out how we did not have any money. We both had jobs and we were doing our best and we were trying to save, but we had no money. But Crystal would pay next month's bills and some of the next month's bills. And, you know, sometimes the car payment was paid three months in advance. But we didn't have enough money to eat. You know what I mean? And then that doesn't make a lot of sense because she's paying bills that aren't due yet with money that hadn't been made yet. But the stuff that we are worried about in the current, we didn't have enough assets or resources to be handling what's in the current because we were so worried about the future. Now, that's an easy basic example but think about your time and your peace and how much of your peace you mortgage for paying next month's worries on this month's grace we worry about what we're going to do in the future when what we really should be focused on is just getting close to god and working on today's peace just today just today I'm not worried about what's going to happen next week or next month or next year or next century. I don't care. And if Jesus comes back, then I'll worry even less. And I can't worry about what's happened in the past, that we've made mistakes and we didn't do this and we should have done that. We should have went here and we should have bought that and we shouldn't have not bought that. But what that does is it erodes your peace. And so your value of life goes... And 
Sometimes, and I know y'all probably seen this on the internet, we undervalue food and rest. Because a lot of times, and I mean, probably not in y'all's house, but in my house where I have four girls, I have multiple reasons that they're unhappy. But a lot of times is they might just be hungry, right? They might just be hangry just for a second. Or, or, you know, and so you think about it and you go, well, you know, that's not really biblical. Well, it actually is. So let's go to an example of this exact same thing. First Kings chapter 19, right? Uh, Now, chapter 18, I'm going to tell you, is one of the greatest shows of power that God did in the Old Testament, right? Chapter 18, we got all of the false prophets together, right? And they got all of the two altars, and they called to Baal, and they called to God. And what happened? Fire fell from heaven and lapped up the water and and burned up the altar and burned up the offering. Everything just took care of itself, right? God's amazing power just showed up. And a seven-year drought's being broke, and Elijah tucks up his robe and outruns the horses into the gates of Jezreel. I think it's 15 miles, right? So an amazing opportunity for somebody just to see what God has just done. I mean, just, just did. You know, sometimes that's when we lose our peace, when we have some amazing event that takes place, and then like the next day you go like, yeah, but how about this? You know, God saved me, God did this, got this amazing miracle. Yeah, but I mean, I'm late for work and traffic is terrible and my coffee is not right and my kids didn't behave. Really? Sometimes we don't put into perspective what God does in our life to where we put value on what our peace means. All right, so all of this stuff happened, right? We, 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 we don't went and sent our little guy and he looked for the cloud and there was a cloud and he tucked up his robe and he ran and outran the, uh, Ahab all the way to Jezreel. 19, now Ahab told Jezreel, Jezebel about everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all of the prophets with the sword. And Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the <clears throat> gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I will not make your life like that of one of them. Right? She wants to kill him. And Elijah was afraid. And he ran for his life. Now, I mean, he just watched God bring down fire and destroy hundreds of prophets. But because this gal sent him a message that somehow he, he just missed it. And, and he, so he ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in, in Judah, he left his servant there. And while he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness and came to a broom bush and sat down under it and prayed that he might die. <laughs> He may just let me die, Lord. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. Now, that's that's pretty tough, right? You just watch one of the greatest miracles that ever take place and watch God's power just destroy these prophets. And and, and this gal, you know, sent you a a direct message or a private message or an email or a text message saying that she was going to kill you or that she didn't like you. And then we ran away from that and sat down and said, just let me die. Just let me die. My, work, my life is not worth anything. Just let me die. Now, did he have peace in this moment? No. Now, did, you know, you always say that the peace is in the victory, right? I would think two days ago when he tucked this robe up and outran him to the gates of Jezreel, that he was probably pretty high on life. 
right? He probably thought, man, I am doing some stuff that God wants me to do. I mean, if he didn't, he, he was unconscious, right? So what did God tell him to do? <clears throat> oh, I'm no better and fell asleep. And all at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals in a jar of water. And he ate it and drank it and then lay down again. And then the angel of the Lord came back to him a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by the food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he had reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into the cave and spent the night. So we went from this incredible victory... Right? Incredible victory to where God lapped up the, the water with the fire to running for our lives and please just, Lord, let me die. And all of that really happened between point A and point B. The Lord let me die to him traveling 40 days and nights to do what God told him to do is he took a nap and he got something to eat. But where was his peace? His peace was in the nap and the food, right? His peace was not in the journey. His peace was not running away. All of a sudden, he got a full belly and a good nap. Everything felt better. And you go, well, yeah, that's kind of, you know, you, you, you're playing on words. No, really. When you stop focusing on all of the stuff that's outside of your control and just focus on the stuff that's inside of your control, that's where peace is. That's where Jesus said, this is my peace. I give it you, not as the world gives. I don't give it and take it back and then give it and then take it back. It's not stipulations on it. You don't have rules on it. You just don't let your heart be troubled. That's what he said, 1427. Don't let your heart be troubled. And you go, well, that's pretty simple. I won't let my heart be troubled. Oh, really? Or is your heart not troubled? Do you walk around in peace all the time? I mean, it is a pretty difficult situation to walk around in peace all the time. But when the focus goes back on God and back on yourself, peace comes pretty quickly, right? I mean, in, in, in Elijah's deal, right, we were running from the crazy lady and then all of a sudden we got a nap and a snack and listened to God and whew, everything got better. Peace came right back. All right? <clears throat> so that caring part, that caring part is the problem, Right? It's what are you worried about? That's what steals your peace. What are you worried about? Well, if you read the Bible, right, and, you know, there's a couple places, but like 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. So then if you're worrying about, I can't find a single place in the Bible. And if y'all know where it's at, if you yell it out or you tell me after service, I mean, I had some folks tell me after service not so long ago, I missed the scripture. If you, if you know where it's at, you just tell me. Where one time does God say, please stress, strain, groan, worry about, complain about, think about, and figure this out because I really need you to do that. Because I can't find it. I mean, I, I've looked. And I'm not a Bible scholar, but I mean, I've looked, I've Googled it where it said God said for you to stress about it and God said for you to worry about it and God said for you to figure it out because I can't find it. But what happens is, is all of those things are the enemy of our peace. So what we do is we get after the stuff that the world worries about, right? Isn't that what Jesus said in Matthew 6? So why are you worried about what you're going to wear and what you're going to eat? Isn't that what the heathens wear about? What's he say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then all of these other things will be added unto you. 
Well, really and truly, when we see what God says about us, our peace is what's really, really magically comes back. Because when we quit focusing on what's going on around us and we focus solely on what God says, peace is not a difficult place to be. In fact, if you're very prayerful, right, I don't care what's going on in your world, if you'll get quiet and still and start praying for a second, peace will just flush you. The problem is, is a lot of times when stuff's really going on and, and things are happening bad, you don't want to stop and pray. I should have said this. Well, they said that. Well, I'm going here. Well, I'm going to show them. Is any of that peace? No. And I can tell you from personal experience, if you take the opportunity when the enemy attacks you to stop and pray and maintain God's peace, you don't have near as much regret you don't have near as much you're not worried about near as many things right when you stop and just pray and it calm back down and just find god's peace i mean when they were in the storm right jesus was in the bottom of the boat and the storm came up and the waves were to and fro and they come down and shook him and woke him up and said you're just gonna let us die what Jesus do? Walking on the deck said, peace, be still. Can I go back to sleep now? I mean, is that not what he did? Peace, be still. Well, if we are in these situations where when the water is splashing and the winds are blowing and the boats are rocking, peace, be still. But I want to talk to me. I want to talk to my spirit man and my flesh. And Peace, be still. I don't have to have anxiety and anger and want and need and all this stuff in the situation. Peace, be still. I have the peace that God gave me. I have it. I'm not going to let my heart be troubled. I don't have to be worried about what somebody said or what somebody else said or who did what. Or I don't care. Other people's opinions of me is their business, not mine. I'm not concerned over that. I know that I have a relationship with the living God and I know that he knows how flawed I am and he loves me anyway. So my peace is tied to him and not tied to anything else. And it's not tied to anything else. And when I can stop and focus on God and only on God, my peace comes really back quick. It flushes right up. But when I focus on the situations around me, Right? And what's happening around me and what's taking place over here and what's taking place over there, it's really difficult for me to reel my peace back in. And you know, like, oh, it's been one of those days. Well, this happened and that happened and this happened and that happened. Well, why'd you start keeping a list where you could tell somebody how bad your day was? Well, I'll be honest, they probably don't want to hear how bad your day was. And if we get in those situations where we are in a list-making mode, let's list all the things that God's done for us. Let's list all the blessings that we have because of our Savior is still alive. That, I mean, then you go, oh, yeah, I understand. But, I mean, look, I'm not that guy. I don't do that easily. It's not an easy feat when I'm having a bad day. I start talking about all the good things God's done. But, boy, it's a good idea. It's something I strive to do. It's something that I want to do. Right, that, that, that fruit of the Spirit, right, that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, that's who I am. That's who I want to be. Well, peace is smack dab in the middle of that. And if you have peace, the enemy can't stand it. Can't stand it. 
He is the father of lies and he wants to stir up stress and strife and, and angst and aggravation and anxiety. I mean, <clears throat> the people that are, I mean, come on, man. Sound like an old dummy. Come on, man. Woo! I don't want to sound like him. <laughs> if you don't know, you don't listen. Uh, <clears throat> that's terrible. My peace is my business. And your peace is your business. And your wife or husband's peace is their business. But here's the deal. <clears throat> what, did that, what, is that old, what does that proverb say? Something about it's better to live on the peak of the roof than it is to live in the mansion with a nagging wife. Is that, I, don't, I can't remember, that's, that's, that's the Berkeley County version of that. But that's what it says. So although your peace is your business, we should be the purveyors of peace. Um, let's, let's go to um, the gospel according to Matthew, <clears throat> right? We're going to get into some, so what Jesus said, I like what, anytime I can preach about what Jesus said, makes me feel good on the inside, makes me feel like we're doing a good job. But um, this, this is um, <clears throat> the Sermon on the Mount, right? Uh, the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 5. And, and, and now Jesus saw the crowds and he went up to the mountainside and he sat down. And his disciples came to him and began to teach. And he began to teach them and he said, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit for there is the kingdom of heaven. Right? And he goes through all of the blesses. Well, let's go down there. What does it say? Mm. No, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers for they are called the children of God. The children of God are supposed to be the peacemakers. And you know, there have been plenty of times in your life where your spouse or your friend or your kid said something to rile you up and you stood there on a cliff thinking, I can turn around and walk away and everybody will be happy or I can jump off the top rope and get some of that. I mean... I have a problem with making fun of my kids, and two of them get along pretty well with that, and they don't give me any angst, and Savannah's not here, so I get to talk about her today, too. She's with Crystal helping with the little kids. Savannah, for whatever reason, if I make fun of Savannah, she just gets all been out of shape. I mean, all been out of shape, and I'm not being mean to her, and what she really dislikes is I go, I talk to in a funny voice, and she drives her bonkers, and for years, I thought it was hilarious. And over the last couple of weeks and months, Crystal keeps telling me, stop doing that. You're just making her mad for no reason. And I'm like, yeah, but it's funny. It's funny. I enjoy it. I like to see. And then I said, you know, blessed are the peacemakers, for they're called the children of God. Ooh, I'm not being a very good peacemaker as an example, am I? When you know something bothers somebody and you do it anyway, is that really making you a peacemaker? And the answer is, no, it's not. <clears throat> yeah, boy, I know. <laughs> so our job is, we're worried about our peace, right? We're in control of our peace. But we also, coincidentally, control some of the peace in our house. 
And you know, I'm probably could make a lot of women happy and say this includes like not putting laundry on the floor, not leaving toilet seats up, and not leaving toothpaste in the sink, and not putting an empty gallon of milk back in the refrigerator. I mean, all of those things. I mean, I, I don't know about y'all. I hear about those occasionally. I'm sure y'all don't. But I mean, if you're going to be a peacemaker and a maker and maintainer of peace, that's what Amplified Version says, it's a maker and maintainer of peace, then the little things matter. And so when we go about our daily life being good Christians, we have opportunities that we see on a daily basis to where we choose to whether we're going to mind our business like we heard a couple weeks ago or we're going to poke the bear. And more times than not, it would be so much easier to turn around and walk away and maintain peace and let them be wrong or right or different or whatever instead of most of the time we're Christians just cramming our beliefs down their throat. I haven't seen a single Christian won over. Now, y'all might have some different experience by beating them about the head and neck area with the gospel. It is not, that is not how we build the kingdom of God. The body of Christ does not grow in violence. Not, not, I'm talking about spiritual violence or figurative violence. Not you know what? God loves you anyway. I know you did this and this, and that's your opinion. You know what? Jesus still loves you just as much as he loves me. And when we have the opportunity to really show God's love, that makes us the peacemakers. People have this stigma or belief that somehow, because you're a Christian, that you hate all of these people in the world. And that if we're going to be Christians, that's exactly the opposite of who we're supposed to be. We're supposed to show them the hands and feet of Christ. We're supposed to show them his peace that we have inside of us. And when we do that, that makes us a better example. Now you go, well, well, they might think I'm weak. Okay, that's fine. You could open your mouth and prove that you're an idiot. I mean, you can be weak or an idiot. I mean, because most of the time when we're faced with those decisions or whether or not we're going to be a peacemaker or not, Keeping our mouth shut for just a few minutes almost always de-escalates the situation. Almost always. If we're going to be, if we're going to hunt down peace and seek it and pursue it, I mean, you know, as a hunter, if every time I went to kill a deer, I went, hey, I need y'all deer to come out here and do what I told y'all to do. You think that's how you pursue deer? That's not how you pursue deer. You're quiet and stealthy and persistent. I mean, you just don't go one time and go, well, I went deer hunting, didn't kill any. And people ask me about that. You didn't kill anything? Look, if I killed a deer every time I went, they would be extinct in Berkeley County. I mean, there was a time I was hunting seven, eight days a week, tops. I mean, every week. Not as much anymore. But what we're supposed to pursue peace, to hunt it down and pursue it. So if you're hunting something down and pursuing it and you see an opportunity to do the opposite I don't like let deer come out and then jump out and wave at them. That ain't how you pursue it. And the opportunity comes to be a peacemaker. You don't be the opposite. You don't turn to Savannah and go, hey, me, 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 me. That's not how you do it, apparently, according to Crystal. And, yeah, and that's a silly example for, for Savannah. But, I mean, it, it, you have something that you do to somebody every time you see them that harasses the daylights out of them. And don't lie and say you don't. I mean, if you're a great, if you're a grandmama or whatever, you might not possess those skills, but the rest of us do. 
I mean, we harass people. We know what sets them off, right? Sometimes we do it just to see how excited they get. I mean, I'm just being honest. But that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to pursue peace, to hunt it down, to strive to have it. That the peacemakers are the children of God. And that's us. We are them. So when we have the opportunity, when some situation arises and you're standing there on the cliff this week and you go, I can pursue peace or I can watch them overreact. Please pursue peace. And watch how it changes them. Because when you have the opportunity to give somebody grace, all of a sudden, they go, wait a minute, what happened? Then when you tell them Jesus loves you, they don't think you're a crazy person, that you're antagonizing them and go, oh, by the way, Jesus loves you. Picking on them or harassing them and then go, oh, by the way, Jesus loves you. I mean, then it's almost coy. And we can't be coy. I mean, we have to be, when, when we get to the gospel, and we, Really and truly, I, I've told y'all this before. You are somebody's gospel, right? Me and Sally were talking about it today. You're somebody's villain in their story, right? There's a story somewhere that you're the villain. There's a story somewhere that you're the best guy ever, or the best gal ever. But some people, for true, you're their gospel. You're the only chance that Jesus that they'll ever have. And when you pursue peace, and you show them grace and God's love, you have a much better opportunity to accomplish the goal. Like if you're deer hunting. If you go deer hunting and you're quiet and you're still and you play, you do exactly what you're supposed to do, your chances of killing deer are probably a lot better than if you're loud and you move around a bunch, right? I mean, at least that's what daddy told me when we were growing up, that I moved around too much. Which is why he hunts in a wide open stand and I hunt where it's one little hole. Because I can't be still, right? I mean, i got to use what i got to use. But when we have that opportunity to show somebody God's love and peace, we have to take it. We have to take that opportunity. We have to show them what God's word looks like in the flesh. Now, we don't measure up to what Jesus looked like in the flesh. But we have to do the best we can in the flesh. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you and praise you for this day. Father, we thank you for your word that it did not go out. It will not return void. It will go out and do exactly what it was supposed to do. And we just give you praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' most precious name, amen.